Hello, lovers, and welcome to Nutrition Nuptials Podcast, where we help couples learn how to go from a me to a we when it comes to their nutrition and health habits. I'm joined this week and every week by my awesome co-star, Taco. What's up? Taco, did you listen to last week's show? I did. I I was thoroughly entertained on my commute to work. I, I, I love us. I'm so happy that you love us. Well, I was really thrilled, too. We got lots of fantastic feedback from folks. So definitely um, really means a lot to us, to those of you who took the time to listen and whether or not we made your commute a little bit better. Hopefully can't not be worse. worse. Can't be worse. Hopefully not worse. No, there's no way. Yeah. Just unsubscribe if it got worse. No, no, no still subscribe. <laughs> still subscribe, but you can skip. Okay, whatever. But not skipping today. So today we have a really important episode because we are going to be talking all about how couples merge those lives together when it comes to living together. And on with the show. It's the Nutrition Nuptials Podcast with Taco and Mandy, where we're helping couples learn how to live their happily, healthfully ever after. Hello and welcome to Nutrition Nuptials Podcast, where we help couples learn how to live their happily, healthfully ever after. Whether you're newly wed, newly engaged, or newly single, everyone can benefit from some good health habits. I'm your host, Mandy Enright, a registered dietitian who hates diets. I'm joined this week and every episode by my perma roommate, my husband, Taco. What's up? And I'm not just joined by Taco, I'm joined by our newest addition to the family as well. Shiva the Diva. Shiva the Diva. She's, she might be in nap mode, so she, I don't think she's going to have a whole lot to contribute. Mm-mm. She has a lot to contribute in terms of cuteness, not a whole lot to uh, contribute in terms of podcast-worthy material. Yeah, so if you want to meet Shiva, you are either going to have to follow us on social media... Or you'll have to head over to Patreon where we have a little thank you message and Shiva gives a thank you as well. If you join, if you follow us over on Patreon. Well, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about a big part of the relationship life cycle that I personally feel doesn't get as much attention as it should. And that is the transition of really merging those two lifestyles together into one household. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty challenging in general, and I think there's some people who do it better and others who probably struggle with it a lot. Absolutely. So there's a reason I always say that this podcast is all about going from a me to a we when it comes to your relationships. Um, a lot of it really comes from the fact that a lot of times we're not talking about what it is that we want or expectations are from the other person, and a lot of times it's just kind of assuming. Yeah, for sure. Or you're just waiting for that other person to cave and then they'll just take on the responsibility. If I wait long enough, I know you will just make the bed. <laughs> you have tried that multiple times. I know, with varying degrees of success. And failures. And failures. And failures. Sometimes I just, I, I, will, I will not cave on certain things. Well, one of the things that really always tends to uh, confuse me a little bit, and not confuse me, but maybe more like baffling, is um, when I encounter a lot of clients I work with, and they're telling me how they have to fend for themselves in their own households, which I always find very interesting, because I, at least from personal experience, I, I found that, you know, a, I think a partnership works a little bit better than fending for yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, 
it's, it's two people now at the minimum, right? And so um, you should have double the resources to like figure out what to eat for dinner. I agree. And a couple of years ago on my blog, I had written a piece and it's it's basically called Your Spouse is Not Your Roommate. And when you think about ways that you have maybe been in other living situations up until this point, you really need to learn that this this is a whole new beast when it comes to it's, having a, 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 a spouse or, or a significant other that you're living with full time. Right. Yeah. You, you got to be working together. It's not just somebody who occupies the space underneath the same roof. Exactly. And it, it really is that that partnership. And I think, you know, to one of the big things is really looking at some of the generational differences that there have been as well. So um, with our generation, uh, we're probably the first generation that not only, you know, most people have gone to college, but then post-college, it's been more career driven versus home and family driven. Right. So like, for example, when you think about your own family, that that and the dynamic that your parents had or my parents had when it came to not only just getting together, but even leading up to that point. So, you know, ha- had your father been on his own at any point? Yeah, he was, uh, he was definitely on his own. Um, you know, before he met my mother, he, you know, uh, had a lot of different living situations, but he wasn't a stranger to the kitchen. He could certainly survive, but that's, I, I wouldn't call it thriving in the kitchen. I would call it surviving in okay. the kitchen. Okay. And so, you know, if he, uh, I remember my earliest memories of my father in the kitchen would be when my brothers were born, because I'm several years uh, older than them. And I mean, I remember potatoes coming out of a can, right? So like, okay, it went onto the stove, it was heated up and I ate food. And at the time, you know, I was like five years old or whatever. I thought, hey, this is great. Potatoes out of a can. These are tasty. But, you know, that that was his version of cooking. There were other things, too. I don't know. There was a meat of some sort. And I'm assuming there were vegetables. But I just remember, like, anytime I, I go to the grocery store and I see those little white uh, round potatoes in a can, I can't help but think about my father in that situation. So from somebody who grew up in a family of, of farmers, I don't think I knew potatoes ever came in a can. Well, I don't know what kind of potatoes those are. Like, I, and they're perfectly round. They're very unnatural looking, but they, for a five-year-old kid, they were pretty tasty. And it was kind of a novel thing because I'd never, you know, my mom wasn't making uh, or or heating up potatoes out of a can. So I was like, ooh, these are cool. They're little. They're tasty. They're fun, whatever. And for me as a five-year-old, it was fine. I wouldn't do that as an adult now. Well, now I'm curious. Now I feel like I need to go to the store, look for potatoes yeah, in a can and bring them home. Aisle five. <laughs> and then did you feel that your parents like growing up, can you think about your parents having like distinct responsibilities for kitchen or cleaning or any other roles throughout the house? Absolutely. My mom did everything. <laughs> and do you think she your parents, do you think your parents talked about that or it was just assumed? Uh, at some well, point? you know, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, they were living together before they were married. So I'm, uh, that was before I was born. So I don't know how that conversation went down and they never asked about it. Um, but I, I imagine just knowing the dynamics of my parents that it was my mom just took on the responsibilities of cooking and cleaning and my father let her. Well, I can tell you from my personal experience, my mom did everything in the house. And I think a lot of it, too, again, some of it stems from the, the living situation. So um, my my father, he uh, in college, he had like five roommates. My mom lived at home. 
So, you know, she she had that whole domestic upbringing mm-hmm. for her. And that was what she learned. And, you know, my grandfather was a farmer. My grandmother was at home and she was there all day and cooking and cleaning while Pop was at the farm. And then Pop would come home and kick off his farm boots and change out of his overalls and go to the table and dinner yeah. was ready. And then I think same thing where my mom was home with us most of my my time growing up and, and my older brothers as well. And then dad was at work all day and dad came home late at night and dinner was ready and and we ate. Um, but thinking back to like when my when my father and our parents were, were in college age, like I said, my mom lived home. My father had five roommates, but my father um, also really wasn't home much. So my dad usually worked. He was working seven days a week, usually had two jobs each of those days. And most of the time he was working in restaurants. So he never really had to worry about free meals, cooking for himself, right? Even in the college days, he didn't have to to deal with it because he just worked at the restaurant and he got a meal at the restaurant. So it's not like he even had to be in a situation where he had to fend for himself. Right. Right. Yeah. I've been there. Right. I did my time in the restaurant um, industry. Yeah. So going from the five roommates working with your uh, working at the at the restaurants and then getting married to my mom and moving in with my mom, who took on the responsibilities like he never really had to learn right. how to cook or how to do any of that. And my, my dad would always say, like, you know, if anything ever happened to me or anything happened to my mom, he'd be at the Red Oak Diner every night. <laughs> and unfortunately, my dad would be kind of screwed now because, number one, they have knocked the Red Oak Diner down. Right. And he would be at, at a loss for, for well, where to go. Well, he would go to uh, the, the grocery store and get the fried chicken. The Pathmark fried chicken. Well, the Pathmark isn't there anymore either, is it? No. Still. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, it's, he's at a loss. Yeah, he would, have, he would be at a loss. Yep. Yeah. So no Pathmark fried chicken and no Red Oak Diner omelets and burgers or whatever it was that he, he would have gotten. So... Unfortunately, he uh, has since passed on for us. And my mom says now nothing has really changed in her life as far as the domestic responsibilities go. Because she was doing it all anyway. She was doing it all anyway. She, she actually said to me one day, she's like, you know, daddy prepared me really well for being a widow because I was doing everything anyway. <laughs> well, that's certainly one way to look at it. So, you know, we always like to find the positive in our lives. And that's the way one of it. Um, I, I always think my mom is beyond impressed at what you are able to do. Like she'll ask me sometimes, does, does Joe ever cook? I'm like, yeah, Joe makes some fantastic meals. And um, I will never forget when we were... Wait, can we address something first? She doesn't refer to me as taco. You are not taco. <laughs> All right. So she she's impressed that this guy, Joe, yes. who makes dinner. Okay. Yes. So you make dinner. Um, and my, my favorite thing was when we were staying with them during Hurricane Sandy, my mom comes downstairs. She was going down to the basement to do something. And she sees you down there. And she's calling my father. She's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Buddy, buddy, you have to come down here. You have to see this. You have to see this right now. And it was because my husband, Taco, had gotten out the ironing board, the iron, and was ironing his clothes to go to work. <laughs> and my mother had never seen this because, quite frankly, I, I don't iron. I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. This is why we have dry cleaners. And I, she she's never seen one of her children ever use an iron. So she sees my husband doing this and it was just like, she couldn't believe it. Meanwhile, that might be the last time I ever ironed a shirt. And maybe, I mean, you know, we were, okay, so we probably were without, well, we 
would have had to have power by, back by then, right? Yeah. So I was going to say, maybe I was like looking for anything to get uh, warm. So I was using the heat from the iron, but no, that's probably not true. Anyway, it's probably the last time I ironed a shirt. Well, I certainly ain't doing it for you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I can, I'm no stranger to the kitchen. You know, I learned out of necessity in the post-college years. You know, they, I think there's uh, some advice, you know, never, never marry a man who's going from his mama's house to your house, right? And like, you didn't have that problem because um, I think there was a good, uh, well, there, there were a lot of years between the time I lived at home with my mom and the time you and I got married. So, uh, and I had roommates at various points, but I also lived by myself, like truly on my own by myself uh, for a good portion of that time. So, you know, I had to learn um, how to cook out of necessity. You know, I got better at, at it over the years. And, um, you know, when you would come over, I would make something to, uh, to impress you. And, uh, you know, it worked. I honed on those skills a little bit. Yeah. So I'm very thankful that you had some time on your own to, to live and, and learn some, some domestic skills. And even if they don't come out every single day, they definitely come in handy when needed. Well, I'm not the uh, I'm not the dietitian professional in the house who is uh, incented on on you know making the meals for the family and writing about it and things like that. So that falls mostly in your camp. Yeah. So back in the day, and I think you really hit this, but you know the going from your mom's house to to your wife's house. Um, I mean, really, when you think about it, most people went from their house to to getting married can you think of anybody when you were either graduating high school or college that were getting married no very very few i I think within my closest group of friends maybe the first person to get married got married about two or three years after college so no nobody went directly from college to, to in my group of friends to being married yeah, and I can say that too. I remember when I was in college, uh, my my boyfriend at the time, one of his roommates, every weekend he was going back home, and he lived somewhere up in like north, uh, like northwest Pennsylvania, like Erie area. And everyone's like, "Why do you go home every weekend for weddings? Like, why are your friends all getting married now?" And I think at the time he was a senior in college, and he's like, "Well." I grew up in this very Christian community and my friends are being, you know, very traditional. So they're holding out on having sex and they're getting married early so that they can have sex. There you go. Fair point. So, you know, uh, verdicts out on whether or not that's the way to go or not. But uh, okay, you know, no judgment, different strokes for different folks. But how many of those guys are in the kitchen cooking? I don't exactly. Exactly. I don't know. So I, I'm going to have to figure out how to like pull the Erie, Pennsylvania area and ask them if that's a if that's a thing or what the, what the skills are. For Given men. the traditional values, I imagine the, the women are doing most of the cooking. I mean, potentially, yes. So today, really, there's a like in between limbo stage that a lot of people are going to when it comes to their their living situations or their rooming situations. And some of it might be preparing them for living with this significant other or maybe it could even be just creating some some bad habits as well. Like what? Well, so for example, um, one of the things I talked about in, I, I mentioned that post about like, you know, your roommate, uh, your, your spouse isn't your roommate. And part of it is like, for example, I would have roommates who would work late mm-hmm. and they would come home. I remember I had one roommate and uh, she would come home late every night. She worked, she worked late and, 
she had no desire, no interest to, to learn how to cook or anything. And every night she came home from that pizza place in Hoboken that had like the, like the ridiculously uh, yeah. Benny large Benny Tadino's. Yes. Score. Benny Tadino's, which had slices of pizza that were so large you had to have it on two plates yeah. lengthwise in, in order to fit the whole slice. Eat it or, or just to carry it out the door. So she would come home with one of those Benny Tadino slices every single night. And I think oh. she was slightly fascinated that I, I cooked every night. And when I lived in Hoboken, even though I had two other roommates, I cooked for myself mm-hmm. every night. And right. I would usually try to make enough for lunch. And it, if I had extras, I was usually nice and offered if they wanted any anything. But it was pretty interesting that, like, we had this great kitchen in our apartment and yeah. nobody else but me ever used it. Yeah. So that's uh, one example of a, of, a, of a bad habit. But I think on the flip side, the good habit is using that kitchen and learning how to use it. And I think even you, as, as a bachelor... You know, you kind of had to figure out some ways to fend for yourself. And I have I have a lot of clients I work with and I go on site to these corporate wellness gigs and I meet these like young, you know, early mid 20s guys. And I'll ask them, I'll be like, well, you know, what are you eating when you go home at night? And it's usually pizza, Chinese or Chipotle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of one of the one of the trifecta. I mean, I had my fair share. I had my fair share of takeout. And, you know, you know, it, it's an easy, I don't want to call it a trap, but it's easy to get into, into some sort of rhythm where, hey, you work late or let's say you go to the, even going to the gym after work and then you get home even later, right? And maybe the last thing you want to do after a full day of work and working out is work, doing, doing anything in the kitchen. And so, um, yeah, you might do a little ticket. I did my fair share when I was living on my own, following that sort of schedule where I didn't leave work until like six and I was going to the gym at seven and not being done until late. And the last thing I wanted to do is spend another, even think, even to think about preparing something for dinner if I hadn't thought about it already. Like it was just easier to stop and pick something up on the way home. Fair enough. So I think a lot of it too is some education of if you're in that situation, then knowing what it is that you you sh- could or should be picking up. Like for example, you were famous for getting the, the rotisserie chicken yeah. at, <laughs> at the supermarket, but, but yeah. that was something that was a, a better option than calling for Chinese food or, or getting the Italian. I, I enjoyed my Italian and my Chinese food as well, but I didn't have it every day. I probably didn't have it once a week. It was like maybe once every other week. You're looking at me very skeptically, but it's true. I, I feel like every time I came over, there was a takeout container in the fridge well, or the, menu the, the, or something. There was evidence of things that were recently ordered. Yeah, but you're assuming that the, the container that was in the fridge was recent. It could have been the same container that had been there for a while. I was a bachelor. I know. There were science experiments <laughs> that happened in that fridge sometimes. So that doesn't mean I was doing it once a week. But anyway, don't blow up my spot. Come on. All right. So let's talk a little bit about our own individual living situations before we got married. And I think we're a little bit of an anomaly versus a lot of our, yeah. our friends in that we actually did not move in together until after we got engaged. Right. Yeah. And I, I think really today a lot of it is because a lot of our friends live and work in, in the big cities and when it comes down to it, I mean, you think about you're dating somebody, you're spending a lot of time at their place or they're spending a lot of time at your place. Uh, rent ain't cheap. Yeah. So for Not a lot of folks, New York City, no. Yeah. So for a lot of folks, it, it came down to, well, I could either be spending money on an apartment that I'm never seeing 
or we just move in together and right. then it becomes more the um the financial sense which i know a lot of my friends they use that with their parents when they like want to <laughs> broach the topic of living in sin right. with their significant others that well i'm just going to be saving a lot of money and it, w- it was funny actually a lot of friends who were surprised that their parents reactions were like that's a great idea you're going to save a lot of money by paying half half the right. amount in rent yeah so some people got more thrown into the fire than others right. in, in figuring out their living situation. So Chaco, tell us a little bit about your uh, post-college living experience. Um, so, you know, I, I, I guess my, at first I had, I moved um, like to Connecticut and um, I had a couple roommates and like, we were all very friendly, but we didn't like, we didn't have like family dinners, family in air quotes, you know? So like it, it was, you know, pretty much everybody kind of doing their own thing once in a while. Like you said, in your situation, if somebody had some extras, whether it was me or a roommate, maybe everybody ate, you know, and we were all happy and somebody didn't have to worry about making dinner that night. But for the most part, that's where I started to learn how to you know, do things on my own. I moved back to New Jersey and was solidly on my own in my own place. So in that situation, it, you know, if I didn't want to eat ramen noodles every night or something, you know, there's a lot of people that age who uh, kind of are in that situation. You know, I had, you know I've never had ramen. I don't know if I actually knew that about you, but I'm not surprised just given that. Never I, had ramen. Right. Somebody had explained it to me at one point in college. Okay. But like, you know, that now there are like ramen restaurants, that, which yes. is not the same as what. Like, no, very different <laughs> because I like the ramen restaurants. Right. And that is exciting. Dehydrated noodles coming out of a package yeah, it was cheap that's the only attraction to it it was that's, very cheap yeah that's what i'm saying though like their parents would go to costco and they could get like a hundred of them for like five dollars <laughs> right something like that so anyway i didn't want to eat like that so uh you know i i learned more about how to cook for myself you know and then right before you know we moved in together you know i was kind of in that same boat again right like living by myself i didn't want to eat like crap i don't i don't want to project a false image that i was eating healthily every night. How many vegetables on a week did you have? Uh, if I got vegetables in three dinners uh, in a week, that was probably uh, just me kind of going just to be like, okay, this is a balanced meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when we moved in together, um, you know, I was pretty much, I, I, I had plenty of experience in the kitchen on my own to be able to uh, contribute in, in our situation. Yeah. So for me, I, I, went some different routes. I had lived with my parents when I first graduated. I then moved up to Hoboken where I was fending for myself. And that was really where I knew how to cook. And once I moved out on my own, I was again, I had two different apartments I lived in both situations. I was really the only one who ever tended to to cook. Some roommates would tend to jump in every now and then and others would like to give suggestions of what they wanted me to make. So that was always um, helpful in, in some instances. I remember I had one roommate. Um, she never cooked, but she started dating this one dude. And I think he really liked ribs. So they would like make ribs. But I don't know what the heck they were doing. Like the entire house would just smell like a barbecue for about three days after <laughs> they made it. And it was like it, it was become to the point where they were like making it like every week because that was the only thing that she was then able to make. Right. So I think that smell still haunts me to this day of like old barbecue. Ooh. Yeah. 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 That can hang around. Not attractive. Not attractive. So then after I left Hoboken, I moved home with um, two older, cooler roommates. Your parents. Yes. Because I was smart 
and I was holding out for financial reasons. <laughs> no, well, I did partially. Yes, I, I moved home because I wanted to to save up to to buy my own house, and also because I was not going to give Taco the satisfaction of moving in together. I wanted to wait until there was a ring on my finger before we moved in together. Well, jokes on you. You had to live with your parents and into your late twenties. <laughs> I did, but you know, to to. In all fairness, it actually worked out better for, for me because I was working at the ad agencies at the time. I was getting up early and getting home late. And God bless my mother because she would always save dinner for me. So yeah. it didn't matter if I got home at 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. There was... You always a, had a, a, a hot meal. A, a salad and a hot meal always waiting for me when I got home. So, so it's a pretty good gig for you. It was a good gig for right. me. And um, I, I think, too, that's also helped as well with some some training with... You know, as I mentioned, like my mom would always wait for my father to get home to have meals. And I think that's something that's I, I, I've really tried to carry with us where it's, you know, like we, we need to have meals together, mm-hmm. even if it's not every meal. I mean, dinner time is really like our yeah. time. And I, I think to me, that's that's just a special time for for us. Yeah, right. You shouldn't. I mean, OK, so if you're living together, you know, there might be situations where somebody gets home really late and like somebody gets home maybe earlier or whatever. And, and okay. If somebody's getting home at 10, the person getting home at five or six probably can't wait till 10 to have dinner. But like, maybe you can sit together at 10, um, when the later person comes home. Otherwise there's really no reason why you shouldn't be eating dinner together. Right. Yeah. And, um, even so, like I'm, I'm thinking back to some clients I've had where, uh, maybe their spouse is on like some whack diet and they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I can't eat or we're not eating the same thing or I don't want to be near you while you're eating meals. And mm-hmm. I, I find that to be a little sad because, again, it's like to me, like meals are, are a little bit like an intimate time. It's like your time to, well, it's when we catch up to on catch the day. up. It, you know, how was your day? How was your day? And we talk about whatever happened or the events of the of the last 24 hours. Exactly. So I, I, I think that's a really important time. I think I had written a, a post about this earlier this year that I'll include a link to in the show notes about just finding that time to, to spend together and, and making meal time more about the people around it versus right. just what's on the table. So uh, we each had our own individual living lifestyles yeah. prior to getting married. And then uh, we moved in together. And I remember when we first got married, everyone's like, how's married life? <laughs> And you're like, it's fine. But you always said the bigger adjustment was when we first moved in. Yeah, that's true. Like we probably moved in about almost a year um, to the day um, before we got married. So the bigger adjustment by far was the merging of the two lifestyles together. Because let's face it, I had a bachelor pad and my tolerance for certain cleanliness levels or whatever. You had science experiments in the fridge was ha- m- much more tolerant on my end than it was on yours. So You had a room in your apartment that you purposely called the shit room, and it was just <laughs> think, just it was stuff got thrown in there constantly. I, I don't know where to put this. I'll throw it in, in this, into this room. So I came from a very different living situation than our combined living situation. But for me, for, I guess from in terms of like planning for meals and things like that. So I described like coming home from the gym after a long day of work or working to to a certain hour or whatever. And on those days, if I didn't get takeout, I really wasn't in the mood for cooking. I might literally just have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich when I got home, just because I, I, at that point I had passed the point of like, I need a big meal. It was just, I need something in my belly and I don't care what it is. And I don't feel like making anything. So I I don't think I've done that (laughs) since. Mm -mm. And you're pretty good 
um, about letting me know when I might have to fend for myself, if you're going to be out uh, for meetings or, you know, teaching yoga classes and things like that. So now, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches anymore. But I, I think the point is that I didn't have to worry about the planning aspect of where my meal was going to come from. And when we first moved in together, I remember I had to, like, that was a really long commute. And I yeah. was coming home probably close to almost eight o'clock at night. I yeah, think, that was right? when you would go to work and then you would purposely go to the gym just yeah. to let the traffic yeah. bypass. So I, I wasn't getting home until eight. But I knew when I walked in the door at eight that pretty much dinner was going to be ready and we were going to eat then. And I didn't have to think at all about any aspect of the planning portion of that meal. It was just I was going to come home and I was going to eat. Yeah. So that's part of the benefit of living with your significant other or yes, fiance I didn't or have that benefit wife when I was on my own. So what would you say was the biggest adjustment to living together? Well, I think... Okay, so I, in general, it's just the fact that there's somebody else to consider, right? So even like a, I have a tendency on, on weekends in particular to like, you know, go to the gym or whatever, uh, or don't go to the gym and then like, okay, it's breakfast time. Let me go get a breakfast sandwich, right? And that, you know, that's not necessarily like a quote, a meal, right? It's, it's something to eat at breakfast time, but it's not like you sit down at the breakfast table and eat breakfast sandwiches that, all that often, right? It's compared to like... Uh, you know, making an omelet or, or pancakes or something like that. Right. So it's very different. So that was what I was used to. And so thinking even more about, Oh, okay, well maybe I should, maybe I should see what your plans are, things like that. Just, just uh, pivoting to that. There's somebody else involved that maybe we should combine forces somehow and figure out how to eat together, how to bring ourselves together. Yeah, talk about because you don't know. Maybe I'm planning a delicious Saturday brunch post gym, or maybe I just really want that damn breakfast sandwich. Yeah. Okay. So let's get breakfast sandwiches. Then. <laughs> and you know, you mentioned that, and, and stemming back to I mentioned earlier about habits that can develop when uh, you're living with with other people. So I, we didn't grow up in a household where like we never got anything delivered to our house. <laughs> I think partially because nobody could find our house, but we never, ever got delivery. You, that was that up. was foreign. You know, if we went out for a meal, it was an experience. It was a treat. I would say maybe at most, maybe we went out once or twice a week. It was usually pizza. Maybe we went to some other restaurant. The Red Oak? Uh, that was, that, again, that would probably be on the once a week factor or we were going to um, maybe a, a, like a nice restaurant with like the whole family, the extended family. Yeah, right. So, you know, like going out and like just going out to like a deli and getting a sandwich like that foreign concept. <laughs> we did not do that. Right. Um, and I think even for me, when even when I lived in Hoboken, like it was pretty rare. Like I would be like, oh, I'm out of lunch. I'm going to get a sandwich for me. It was like, oh, I'm out of lunch. Let me go over to, sh to ShopRite or AMP or whatever we had in town. Let me go buy bread and meat and I'll get everything I need for ingredient wise to make sandwich. That's that was more the frugalness of me saying, you know, right. I can go further with my yeah. with my money and i wasn't even a dietitian at that point so i can't even say it was a health factor it was more right. more of a money factor at that point and even even now where it's like yeah we could go get breakfast sandwiches or i can make breakfast sandwiches at home yeah right which would be better probably than uh than most breakfast sandwiches that you could get out but i, I think for me growing up it, i think we were in the same boat right like um getting delivery or going out to eat was only a once or twice a week sort of activity. It was really special. I probably I don't I don't think I 
necessarily grew up uh, going to the deli and getting sandwiches either. But I will say I, I do have distinct memories of when I, once I got my driver's license and the world was my oyster. You know, if I was out late with friends or whatever, and I might not be coming home till like one or two o'clock in the morning, I might be stopping off at the at the convenience store getting a shorty and a bag of chips and a soda, like having basically like a fourth meal. I was like, I was on the fourth meal train before Taco Bell made that popular. Mm -hmm. I was on the fourth meal train. So going, and and I think, I think for me, and I think maybe for a lot of people, the whole concept of going to the deli and just getting a sandwich is just more about immediate gratification and not having to think or plan or do any of those things that you're probably better at doing than most people. Um, which is why between that and your frugalness, you're like, well, I'll just go to the store and get the components for a sandwich. I was like, I don't even want to think about the next sandwich. I want this sandwich now and I'm going to eat it. And then like I'm on to the next thing. Right. And I think that's probably similar for a lot of people. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's part of where my obsession with not only meal planning for myself, but teaching other people how the meal plan probably comes from, because I, I find there's a lot of benefit in just taking that little step back and planning. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about that for other couples. Um, the other thing too was that even, you know, when I would come up to your place on the weekends, like that was really the times when I had Chinese food or mm-hmm. ordering out from uh, the pizzeria whose name I cannot remember at the moment. I don't even remember it either. And you but... ordered there like once a week. Yeah. But like, you know, like again, like, you know, if we had Chinese food, it was maybe like once every couple of months. And growing up. Growing up. Yeah. And even, even later, um, down the road when I was living, when I was living home later on in life. But then when I would come up to visit you and it was like, you throw me a menu and be like, what do you want? I'm like, Ooh, this is a treat. <laughs> Chinese food. Whereas for you, it was, I, I would say there was, there was Chinese or something from the Italian place probably once a week. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Showing up. Well, either or. Yeah, that's fine. I and, was eating uh, Chinese food specifically. Takeout, takeout of some sort. Oh, yeah. At least once. And what was your um, health cholesterol at that time? Okay, well, it was my triglycerides were through the roof, but I think it probably had more to do with my very healthy social life than mm-hmm. necessarily what exactly I was eating. But I will say that so both of those factors improved, right? Maybe I'm not not that I didn't have a social life once we got married or lived together, but you know, everybody it's got better. everybody got older. Everybody ended up in different places. You know, I wasn't going out every, like, I think, okay, in my 20s, I probably went out five nights a week and worked out two or three. In my 30s, I think you could, like, flip that around, mm-hmm. right? Like, going out two or three nights a week and going to the gym more like five times. So, like, a lot of things changed at the same time. But, like, yeah, I'm not going to say what the number was, but it was, it's a number that is so high. Most people would probably be like, how is that possible? Yeah. How are you alive? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. How are you not on medication? Right. So it, it's it's much better now. And then what happened when you moved in and got married to an awesome registered dietitian? Well, for one, we had salad with dinner every single night. So every there were, night. There were more, much more vegetables in my diet. That That's certainly one thing that Probably changed. had more vegetables in one meal than you had in a week when you lived by yourself. Don't exaggerate. Come on. But you said it, you had vegetables three times. Yeah. There's probably three vegetables at dinner alone. Okay. Anyway. And then the other thing that probably changed is if I was ordering takeout once a week, I I mean, you and I probably were only ordering takeout like once a month, maybe. Like I am 
and probably from just one place. Plus, there's no good Chinese food around us. So that, that has deterred you a lot. That's taken a lot of the steam out of uh, takeout. But uh, yeah, I mean, like those, there's a lot of factors that all changed. A lot of them have to do with diet mm-hmm. and social life. Exactly. So, and I think part of it too is I think we found a way to establish some roles and responsibilities somewhat early on. So, and again, I think some of it was a little bit assumed. And some of it was just, well, someone's got to do this. So like, you know, for cooking. And I think also, too, uh, when we first moved in together, I was still in school. Yep. You were working. I had gone back to school at the time. So right. I, I was home. I had the time to do the cooking. I had the time to do the, the food shopping. Um, you know, we, we joke about making the bed, which the... I don't know if it was ever a spoken rule. It's now a spoken rule, but I think it was unspoken rule. So whoever's the last person out of bed right. has to make the bed. Well, I think, yeah, I think that got established when basically I was the last person to get out of bed. And you said, somebody didn't make the bed. <laughs> and so like that somebody was obviously me. And right. so like, that's probably how that protocol got established. And then I think like, you know, with the, with the, I, I think it was probably more spoken in the kitchen, like, which is probably where you're going next is, um, you know, if you were cooking, then I was cleaning yes. and vice versa. Right. Yes. And so that, that one, I think we had more conversations about like, you know, so, so, okay, fine. I get home, you made the meal, I'll clean up. And there was clear roles and responsibilities that way. But if I cooked, then you were cleaning. Yeah, I agree. We do have um, a gray area and I'm going to throw this out to the listeners as well. And you can feel free to give some responses. You can email us at podcast at nutrition nuptials. We have some arguments when it comes to grilling. <laughs> And who's responsible for what? Because typically I prepare the You're food. You're my sous chef. You're a great sous chef. I, I don't, how am I the sous chef? I prepare the food that then needs to go onto the grill. You do the grilling. You argue with me and tell me that's the cooking. And everything that led up to that point doesn't count. Therefore, I have to do the cleaning which I don't think is particularly fair, given that I have done all the other work and all you did was throw meat and vegetables onto fire. Don't diminish the the cooking aspect. It's very important. I think a lot of the time it's just me messing around with you and trying to get you to do the cleaning too. And I will uh, not be outsmarted. <laughs> I didn't want to say outsmart you. Yes, but you don't usually fall for it and I end up doing the cleaning in mm-hmm. addition to the cooking. Mm-hmm. I also like to use the we should clean up together. You use the word we, we. When, when you mean you. Like If or, we do this, no. we'll be done faster. No, your famous line is help me do X, Y, Z. And by help me do X, Y, Z, what you really mean is do X, Y, Z. And I will step away and you do it. Right. I think what you mean is help me by doing the dishes or cutting the vegetables or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's what you mm-hmm. really mean. You're missing that. What is that? A, a preposition? Maybe. Yeah. It's a preposition. Okay. You're missing. Look at you uh, and your grammar skills. I know. I pulled that one out of like sixth grade uh, elementary English. You. Pulling that one out. Well, for those of you who might be just moving in together or feeling like you haven't quite gotten on quite the same page yet, like Taco and I, or maybe you're having arguments about who's responsible for cooking and cleaning after grilling and <laughs> your responsibilities have, have been muddied by the grill factor. Um, I'm going to give some tips for how you can work in getting on the same page. And I'm also going to link to a post I had written on my blog called Putting the Habit in Cohabitation. So 
first rule when it comes to getting on the same page in your new home together is really number one is honesty and communication. This really is the love of your life. So you shouldn't have to be afraid that you're going to hurt their feelings if you if you tell them something that you feel is going to either make life better or or more tolerable. So for example, if I make a meal and Taco doesn't like it, I prefer that you tell me that you don't like it rather than pretending that you like it because guess what's going to happen? I'm probably going to make it again. again. <laughs> right. And then you might blog about it. Even worse, you might blog about it and talk about how your husband loved this great meal and then like other people might make it and and they'll be in a bad situation too. Yeah, I don't want to look stupid. No, so I've always been pretty candid with the feedback. I, nothing you've ever made has been like awful. We've talked about the cauliflower incident, which was just more of a, a surprise than mm-hmm. anything else. Um, but, uh, you know, nothing has been awful. But if I'm like, eh, you know, this one doesn't quite measure up to your standard or, you know, whatever, I'll tell you that, you know, I appreciate, hey, this is great. Thank you for making dinner. Don't blog about this one. And I, and I appreciate that because I don't want to look stupid. Right. And I don't want to be giving people false hope that this is a great meal. And it turns right. out it's not. Yeah. So I, I do appreciate the honesty. And like I always like to say, I'm like, you know, your significant other or spouse or whatever your living situation is. I mean, quite frankly, this is someone that you've probably seen naked. So if you can't be open and honest with them about your, you know, what you like to eat or they're, they're cooking or are they folding the bed sheets the wrong way? The toilet paper. If Which the, way does the toilet oh paper my God. Go? If the toilet paper is on the wrong way, you can't feel comfortable telling me about that. Then I don't know what to tell you about, you know, how, how the rest of the things are going to move along. Just don't be naked at the kitchen table. No, that's gross. Yeah. Which I always think about. You mentioned earlier about eating the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So I remember oh. when, when we were getting married and at my bridal shower, they played like, you know, how old do you know your snake yeah. and other? So they one of the questions they asked was if uh, you were gone for the night and Taco was home and by himself, like what would he make or eat? And everyone always, I, I guess, peanut butter or jelly, sa- peanut butter and jelly sandwich or tuna sandwich, because I know you. Right. That's what I was doing at that and time. And that's, yeah. that's what you would do. But I think everyone pictures whenever I'm not home, because I don't, I don't eat beef. I don't eat pork. Right. I think everyone thinks that like you're sitting at home naked on the couch, like just like eating a lot of meat. I think people think that because you've projected that image into their minds, that that's what's, uh, that, that is a possibility. And now you people have that image in <laughs> their minds. <laughs> If they know what I look like. Exactly. Yeah. So honesty and communication. Rule number one. Rule number two is that you need to have what I call the talk. And in relationships, there are multiple times where you're going to have the talk. There's the one early on, which is the what is our status? What are we? The are talk. we dating? Are we, we? Can we um, make this Facebook official? Yeah, and this, you know, we had the talk well before there was any social media complication to it. So it was just like, are are we dating? Are we boyfriend girlfriend? Are we going steady? Like, you right. know, what are we? It's one of the talks, but that's not yeah. what you're talking. About. No, there's like the what are we talk? Then there's like the, when are we getting married talk? Mm-hmm. And then when you move in together, you should have the talk around when you're moving in. And that really involves talking about those roles and responsibilities. So don't just assume someone's going to do the laundry because you threw it on the floor. (laughs) 
or that, you know, someone's going to clean because they're just going to get frustrated and, and just do it after a certain point. So stop trying to outsmart your partner. Don't outsmart your partner. Exactly. Um, especially when it comes to and, I, and, you know, I always ask a lot of my clients this, too. And, and I always say, like, you know, who's responsible for the cooking? Who's responsible for the grocery shopping? Like, who does the meal planning? Because what you don't want to do is come home at night and stare at each other and go, what did you what did you get for dinner? What's for dinner? And the other person says, I don't know. I thought you were going to handle it. And then, you know, no plan is not a plan. Right. So you want to you want to really establish those roles and responsibilities. So talking about who is going to do what, if you have no interest in cooking, again, back to point number one, be open and honest. Just say, I don't want to cook. And that's that's fine. That that is an option you can have. So have a plan on the days where you're not going to cook. Are there places you can get healthier takeout options from rather than having to make last minute decisions? Because when you do come home late at night and you're both staring at each other, what do, you, what do you do? Yeah, you pick up the phone, you're ordering food, you're running out to do a takeout or you're going out to eat a meal. And that adds up not just from a financial standpoint, but calorie wise as well. Yeah. Yeah. We know when we go out to eat or do takeout, portions are always larger. We don't have as much control over our ingredients. So you want to make sure that you're on the same page with what it is that you're you're going to be be doing with your significant other. Um, and then write things down, make plans, right? People come over our house and they see I always have like our monthly meal plan on the fridge and they make fun of me and they're like, I can't believe you do this. And I'm like, well, it works. I mean, it doesn't take you long. It take, Like literally, I've seen you do it in a like when in the car not while you're driving like I'm no driving. not while i'm driving but like it takes you like five minutes to do it yeah in a car ride when we're going someplace over the weekend yeah like i can i can plan out meals for the month and it works well for me and i will say it has helped significantly with limiting trips to the grocery store the grocery bill alone and just being able to think ahead and that way when you say like hey like what are we having this night or and what it helps you tell me, give me a heads up on when I'm going to have to fend for myself. Exactly. Because I don't want you coming home expecting that there's going to be a meal waiting for you. And it's there ain't. gentleman's choice night. Gentleman's choice. Gentleman's choice. That sounds to me like a little taco terminology coming ter- up. That's taco terminology for sure. Well, let's play the taco terminology jingle. What's a gentleman's choice, Taco? Uh, so basically, it's it's a night when, I mean, gentleman's choice isn't, like, I stole it, basically, right? It used to be, like, uh, at the seventh grade, eighth grade dance, the guys get to, ch- actually, it was ladies' choice, right? Like, you got, as a lady, you got to choose whatever guy you wanted to dance with. No, that was, like, oh, what the heck did they call it? Like, a Sadie Hawkins thing. Oh, uh, whatever. Guys were supposed I mean, to ask the girls to dance. Guys, whatever. So, for me, gentleman's choice is when I get to, when I, it's basically where I'm going to have dinner by myself that night, and I get to choose whatever I want uh, to eat. And that could mean I, I might go out to eat that night. You could be eating meat on the couch naked. If that's what I want to do, then that's what I'll do. But that doesn't really happen the way people are, or you are envisioning it. Or, like you said, because you don't eat things like beef and pork, then I tend to gravitate towards those types of things, either when we go out to eat and we're not necessarily um, sharing entrees or appetizers, then I'll I'll go that direction. 
Or when, when I get to cook on my own, then especially in the summertime, if I get to add in the grill component too, I have some amazing steaks and baked potatoes or like grilled baked potatoes, if, you, if that's a thing. That's a thing. And, um, and instead of a salad, I'll, I'll, I'll still have vegetables of sorts. You know, I'll have my, I'll make a caprese salad or something like that. Um, instead of like the, you know, typical salad greens and mushrooms and veggies and things like that with the dressing. Um, so that's, that's gentleman's choice, being able to have whatever I want because you won't be joining me for that particular dinner. And prior to us living together, would you have ever thought to include a vegetable within that meal? Of course. Well, yes, yes. The answer is yes. You make it sound like I never saw a vegetable before in my life uh, up until the point I met you. I had vegetables. They just, they weren't a priority. A lot of times it was just like kind of throwing a salad together or something like that was the vegetable. There was no incremental vegetable on top of the side salad, right? There was the side salad and then there was like couscous or some rice pilaf or something like that along with the protein. That was the meal. There were vegetables there somewhere. It wasn't like a big thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you've See, gotten better with you, your vegetable choices. You are playing into what people think about dietitians, like that you're judging my. No, okay, my no, food. okay, no, I'm not. So, <laughs> so I'm I'm proud of you for incorporating the vegetable, whether or not I would have had that influence or not. Okay, so we talked about honesty and communication. We talked about having the talk, and then the third thing that we want to do is do an assessment. And Taco and I happen to be some fairly analytical people, so you would expect something like that to come from from us as far as some from direction goes um but really it's taking a matter of taking a step back and looking at what's working what's not working and again i think a lot of it too comes back to the assumption so are you are you just assuming that people are doing things or um are they not doing things anymore have they have have roles and reversals changed have things in people's lives changed schedules changed commutes changed um and really trying to think about what what it is that maybe maybe we have to go back to step two mm-hmm. or maybe even step one and have a honest and open and communication talk about what's working, what's not working and come up with with a new plan from there. It makes sense. I'm trying to think of like when we had to have the assessment. I don't think we've necessarily had to have one, but I think that- when you mentioned when we first moved in together, you were still in school and you, you mentioned that you did a lot of the grocery shopping, but there were a lot of times um, more specifically on the weekends where you are so swamped and like overwhelmed by the amount of work that you had to do. Um, and because you were the primary grocery shopper that there were times where you just had to give me a list and then I just went and, and got all the food for the week or whatever. Um, so that could have been an assessment uh, period where it was like, you just don't have the time to do the traditional role of uh, grocery shopping. Right. Exactly. So, and even looking at like, you know, over time when, when, you know, you, your commutes have changed over time. Mm-hmm. And even um, when we look at um, schedules or, you know, if you're, we have something going on. So, well, or, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting because like I mentioned, we, again, when we first moved in, we were eating dinner at like eight o'clock at night. Now at this point, like that seems really late to me. If we're eating at eight o'clock at night, I'm like, what the heck is the problem here? Yeah. Like, why aren't we eating sooner? Yeah. Right. Um, so like, yeah, because the schedules have changed and, you know, I'm getting home earlier or I'm in more control of my um, uh, 
schedule now than I was before. And uh, so now I, I, you know, we have that luxury, I guess. Exactly. So I think, um, you know, just keeping those lines of communication open. So honesty, communication, have the talk and assessment. Those are all some good steps to work with your significant other when you are first moving in. And whether you, you just moved in yesterday or you moved in 10 to 50 years ago, it's always good to, to take Do a look. Do you think after back. 50 years you have the first assessment? Hey, you know what? This isn't working anymore. <laughs> the whole thing we're like, you're, you're, you never cook. I think you need to start cooking. Uh, you'd be surprised. You would be surprised. I mean, <laughs> you know, I think back to, um, that would be when, awesome. well, I think that my, when my grandmother got sick, mm. um, she was that she had a, a cancer and she was at a commission. That was when my grandfather stepped up All right. and, and he was, he was making some food. So it can happen people. It can definitely After happen. 50 years. After 50 years, you never know what, what can happen. So That's you, true. you can, you can be surprised by your significant other, even, 50 right. years from now. 50 years? Okay. I can't wait to see how you surprise me 50 years uh, I, from now. I'm full of surprises all the time. Like, you know it's going to happen. You just don't know how. I know. It would ruin the surprise. It wouldn't I, be a surprise. I know. If I already knew now, like, what's there to look forward to? Right. All right. Well, I think our job here is done with helping our listeners out there learn a little bit more about how to get on the same page when it comes to living together and merging those those lifestyles together. And for more ways that you can work with your significant other, you can head on over to the blog that started all nutritionnuptials.com, where you can find lots of information about living together, meal planning, recipes, and even a little fitness there that you can you can throw in. As, there's as a well. few there's a few workouts couples workouts i've been recruited yes. to, to you know play the male part in the, the, the uh, couples workout or whatever or the yeah other partner part so yes you've done check it out you've done good yeah so definitely head on over to the blog and like as i said i'm gonna include a link in the show notes to a couple of blog posts that you may want to check out that give some other instructions and guidelines and tips for those of you who might be just moving in together or maybe just need to have the talk and i'll give you some some direction on that one and while we're on the subject of checking things out What's to remind you guys some ways that you can help out and support the podcast. Uh, obviously, we want you guys to tell the world about the Nutrition Nuptials podcast so that we can help more couples out there get their acts together when it comes to living together and merging their lifestyles together. First thing you can do is hit the subscribe button on your uh, listening platform of choice. I always say iTunes because I think Apple is overtaking the world and... But I'm sure you're probably listening to this on iTunes right now. So hit subscribe. Second thing you can do is please take a few moments out of your time to leave a review. Five stars. Five stars are highly preferred. We've gotten our first five-star review. Mike Bash, shout Thank out. You. Yes. He's going to be so excited when he hears <laughs> that. Thank you for our, our, for our first five-star review. And if you can take a moment as well, it just helps other people learn about the podcast, helps us to show up a little bit more prominently in iTunes and help get the word out to the rest of the world. And then the final way that you can help to support the podcast is head on over to our Patreon page. You can find us at patreon.com slash nutrition nuptials. And over on Patreon, this is like our super special VIP group. 
Become a VIP, Nutrition Nuptials VIP, become one. Yes, you know you want to be one. So we offer options that start as little as a dollar a month. And when you sign up to be a patron, you get access to a certain special content. You will have access to special discounts, giveaways that we'll be doing, as well as access to our private Facebook group. And in there, you can keep the conversation and party going. So I'm going to drop a link over in our our private Facebook group to hear from you guys about what are some of your learning experiences when you moved in with your significant other. And all you got to do is um, be a member on Patreon so we can hear hear what's up with, with you guys. I'm also going to post a link on there to a um, or a, a soundbite, I guess, to an outtake that we had earlier when we were going to film this episode. And it was just us trying to figure out how to get started because um, this is early on in our podcasting days. So well, cause you're taking on multiple responsibilities. You, you, you're the the the, uh, the talent and the producer and the director. And uh, so, you know, we didn't have anybody to you know, do the countdown and bring us in. No. So you can hear how we um, didn't do so well on that. <laughs> so that'll start as uh, for, our, for our dollar Patreon members. You can you can check that out. And then if you have a couples related story or question, we would love to hear from you. So shoot an email over to podcast at nutritionnuptials.com. And if you want to know more about Taco and Mandy, you can head on over. I am available on social media. I am at Mandy Enright, RD. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and I think YouTube is on there too. Yeah, they're on there. And then if you want to learn more about uh, what we're doing or not podcasting, you can follow hashtag Adventures of Taco and Mandy on Instagram, which these days, they're pretty much just pictures of Shiva, the diva. Shiva, she's still being quiet. Yeah, being good today. Well, Taco, I think our work here is done for this week. Agreed. I know. So guess what? What's that? Next week? Yeah. We have a special episode. Why is that? It's our very first double date episode. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's those are going to be fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to them. Yes. So join us next week when I have fellow registered dietitian Corinne Davis and her husband, Brian, joining us. She is a fellow podcaster as well. So you can um, learn a little bit more about her and her work when you join us next week on the Nutrition Optional Podcast. Listen to us get silly with another couple. <laughs> it is. The, we call them double date episodes for a reason. That's right. All right. Well, Taco, until next time, thanks for saying I do to listening to the Nutrition Nuptials podcast with Taco and Mandy. Adios, amigos. That's going to be my sign off. Okay. Adios, amigos. Thanks, Taco. That's, that's write it down. Okay. Make Done. Sure we need a sign. Adios amigos. That way you can point to it when it's time to sign off. So I, I remember okay. to uh, to say it. Shiva it's gonna remind be my, it's gonna be my phrase going forward. Shiva remind daddy about that.